Howdy, howdy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the T-Flip Show. Here we are, episode nine. I got a good friend of Shane's on the show here. Her name is Rachel Douglas. She's an off-road racer. She's not professional, but she considers herself very, very competitive, yet amateur, I think is her words. But she is absolutely astounding. She's going to bring us kind of her life story of how she got into dirt biking and off-road racing and her journeys through it and being a woman in the off-road racing community and what it's like and and even more. And she actually even then, our hot take of the week at the very end of the show, she brought a very interesting take that I was not expecting. So I won't spoil it. I want you guys to hear it for yourself. And before I let you get into the episode, I always tell y'all, be a friend and tell a friend. This show's really starting to roll, folks. It's starting to roll. And I am so grateful. I can't do it without you guys. But if you just, if I ask you guys one thing, it's that. And because that's how I get more eyes and ears on this thing. And so it'd mean a ton if you did that. But regardless, thank you so much for being here, taking the time to listen to the show on a weekly basis. And with all that being said, I'll let you get right into it. I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Enjoy the show. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the T-Flip Show, episode nine. Man, I am so pumped, man. Nine, we got nine, right? We got one, two, nine, nine, right? Shane, how are we doing around there? Doing fantastic, lovely day. Uh, temperate outside. Temperate you know? outside. We love to talk about the weather. We have a, we have a tradition here, it seems yeah. like. We always talk about the weather. Well, you know, you, you mentioned to me that you wanted to stop talking about and the weather. I still do so it. I figured I would just keep talking about love the weather. That. Love that. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by a very, very special guest we got sitting here to my right. This is none other than Rachel Douglas, off-road racer. I'm so excited to have you here, Rachel. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here. I was honored when Shane asked me. Yeah, I was so pumped. You know, I, I'm all about variety, and I'm. I, and Shane told me about you, you know, that you're a dirt bike race, racer, excuse me, and, uh, and I know Shane does that, you know, but we haven't had anyone on the show. I know. I that was one. Sorry, to interrupt. Well, um, no, yeah. That was one of the first things I asked him was, "Do you have you had anyone else who rides on the show?" And he said, "No." No, so yeah. I've be been first. outnumbered. I needed you a couple episodes ago when we were talking about how hard dirt biking was, and no one believed me. <laughs> we well, did. I'm excited to help paint a picture for you if you guys haven't. Absolutely. Into it well, now. we're gonna get into that. So, folks, I'll kind of give you a little insight before we get too deep into it. Again, Rachel is an off-road racer in dirt biking. She has been dirt biking for how many years now? Would you say? So a long time. And let me explain why I, this question, I have trouble with this question because I've been riding since Shane was born. Okay. So that sounds like a long time, right? <laughs> and so I hesitate to tell people that because people, especially people who don't ride, make the assumption that the amount of years you've been riding is equivalent to your skill set. Right. So if I say I've been riding for almost 22 years, people are like, Ooh, yeah. you're probably a pro yeah. by now. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like so far from it. So I have trouble because people don't know the context behind those 22 years, right? right? Like there was five or six of those years where I didn't ride at all. There was a lot of sporadic riding. There was a lot of not racing. There was a lot of just putting around with my sister and my dad. Sure. And so, um, yeah, I think I started in 99. So in the grand scheme of things, 22 years, but it sounds like there's a lot of in-between bookmarks that we will be getting into, I'm sure, right. as this right. episode yes. unfolds. So, so I'm again very excited to have you here, and we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of stuff, folks. So you're gonna learn a lot about Rachel. You're gonna hear a lot of things that you probably didn't know, and I'm gonna learn a lot of things I didn't know about dirt biking. Even as long as Shane and I have been friends, so I'm super super excited about this. So Rachel, I want to start just kind of tell me about yourself a little bit. Tell me about you. You're you're kind of coming up, you know, and about you. Um, so I grew up in Palo Alto, and I grew up a pretty normal life, other than the fact that 
instead of like going to soccer games on weekends. Well, I guess we kind of did that too, but, um, you know, we did some normal stuff, but then, you know, we rode dirt bikes and in Palo Alto, it's just not that common. So for most of my life, even now, I sometimes have to remember to explain to people that I'm talking about an off-road motorcycle, not a bicycle. Cause when right. you say I ride dirt bikes, I'm sure you get this too. People think you're talking about bicycles. Right. And then, um, yeah, so there was a, there was a lot of, you know, fun family desert trips and, you know, Hollister trips, Clear Creek trips, getting dragged around on my, I don't even know what I was riding, some clapped out old 125 and my dad being like, <laughs> you better get up the hill because it's getting dark. You know, I'm like, So I had a lot of really good memories as a kid and um, I live pretty close to my parents still. I live about five miles away from them. They're in Palo Alto and I'm in Menlo Park I'm okay. in a little studio apartment. Nice. And yeah, so my... My life was good. And my life is good. I, I don't have any complaints. Yeah. You know, I've been very lucky to be able to do the things that I've done. And, you know, I went to college. I went to UC Davis. Um, had a major, uh, a major, major change. It's <laughs> a weird major, sentence. But major, major change. A big like major change. When okay. I was halfway through, I went in as a math major, which oh, some whoa. people don't know. I was. I obs- want no part of that. Yes. I yeah. hope I'm so, out. Yeah. yeah so I'm out. <laughs> a lot of people didn't understand it. And I didn't really either. I didn't have a direction on it. And then halfway through math, like broke my heart into a million pieces. And I realized that I need to go in a different direction. So I became a communication major. And so I shout out. That's me right there. I'm all with that. Uh Uh-huh. With that. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Continue. Yeah. So, (laughs) so that was great. Loved college. Didn't ride at all while I was there. Um, My sister will tell you otherwise. She'll remind me every time of the Virginia city grand prix that I did in 2007 where she beat me because I like barely had been riding and like, I think I did a lap and took like an hour pit stop. I was just over it. This was your but sister. You my said? sister. Of yeah, course. My She's got to remind sister. you. Yeah, of your... She always remembers. She ever raced. Oh, so yeah. that's a whole nother thing. My yeah. sister has raced the last two weekends for the first time in her life since 2007 Virginia city GP. And oh, she's wow. hooked. She wants to go to the uh, West hair scrambles in Oregon in two weeks. She's on it. Like, my my beautiful, wonderful, sweet little sis who has always ridden and never raced is now totally, she's caught the bug and it's hey. the coolest thing. Awesome. Shout out to her. Huh? Shout out chasing to Sissy. It. Yeah. Yeah. Chasing it. Yeah. So, so, um, you mentioned to me, we kind of t- chatted a little bit, you know, and you said that you're kind of off the beaten path when it comes to pets. We're talking about, about you right. and kind of personal things, you know, and so you're off the beaten path of pet. It's not a dog, not a cat. What do you got? What, what are your pets? I have birds. And some people might not think that that's weird, but some people do. And I, yeah. get, I get really funny questions when I tell people I have birds. So I have three ringneck doves, which um, are not native to this area, but the closest relative would be the morning dove, which most people hear outside their window with that okay. sweet little cooing sound. Yep. And they have their little brown birds, little speckles on their back. They're so cute. Yep. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, that's pretty so good. I, yeah, 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 that was pretty on, good, man. actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I have birds that... Um, have slightly different markings than morning doves, but essentially make the same sound or the same size and her so much cuter, my opinion. And so I have three of those at home and they all have different quirky little personalities. And then I have a little parakeet who is probably like, you know, a, f- a quarter of an ounce, right? This is like a right. tiny little being like can't even press in a key on the keyboard. If you, she walks across my keyboard, but has more personality than all three combined. That's funny. So yeah, I, I know that there are weirder pets to have, but well, it's it's not too out there. You hear right, some it's weird not too pets, out there. but you know, it's I mean, more... I have four birds. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, so, so I'm a bird mom, but Shane is a bird dad. So exactly. Shane yeah, understands. I got some, I got some dinosaur birds. I got four chickens at home. Yeah. So 
That's funny that you say that because sometimes I look at my doves and I'm like, you are a little velociraptor. Yeah. Look at the way you walk. Especially their legs and their claws and yeah, stuff. Yeah, just the way they kind of, <laughs> you know, when they get all worked up. Sounds like your birds have like personality and brains. Uh, my wouldn't birds, go that far, but they're My birds definitely have personalities, but yeah. zero brain. Zero like, common sense, not like, there. I... I swear they f- they walk towards danger half the time. <laughs> like you got, it's like a baby. You got to fight to keep them alive. There's a reason why there's a joke why the chicken crossed the road, right? Yeah. You know, that type they, of thing. There's no reason why it crossed the road. Yeah. It was just bored and wandering. Bored. Yeah, wandering. It, yeah. Well, bird brain is a real term. Right. For yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, so what are each bird's name? I want to hear that. So I have um, the parakeet's name is Grizzly. And Love then, it. and then I have Peanut, one of the doves, George. And then I have Princess, and she has gone through a couple different names because when I was given Princess, I was told that she was a boy, and I was told her name was George. I was like, I already have a dove named George. How do have I have George. two doves named George? So <laughs> I couldn't believe it. What, what are, are the, the odds of having a dove named George and then being given a second dove named, named George? George? Right. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Well, well, then that's what I was going to say, too, is you got all these unique names, and how, how come – the dove named George is George. Is there a reason behind that? No. Because they all seem like they have you unique peanut, names. Peanut, Princess, and George. George. Nope. Just no, George. None. I just wanted like an like an old man name. I know it's not an old man name. No offense to anyone named George under the age of 80. <laughs> but um, George, I just feel like, no, feel is that. so not fitting for like a sweet little bird. So I just liked the I irony. Was- I was kind of thinking the same thing, like for when I get a dog one day, like Fred or Greg or something, right. just something like. That's kind of like that's kind of. It makes me remind me not to compare my mom, and my aunts to birds, but <laughs> my mom's sisters are Hope, Joy, Faith, Debbie. You got Love Hope, it. Joy, Faith, Debbie. Debbie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's just shout out to Hope. Debbie. Right? Shout out Debbie. Right. Yeah. Great There's a lot of promise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just gave up. <laughs> it's Debbie. So okay, so you've kind of given us a little bit of your backstory here, Rachel. You kind of told us about us, your upbringing, and I want you to start in the. Obviously, we already touched on the start of the show about dirt biking. I want you to touch on the early stages of dirt biking, kind of where it started and what led you to get the hook that you had. Right. So my dad has been riding and racing for decades. He's currently not riding. He's taking a little bit of a break from it, but has been riding since the 70s and has had a very successful, you know, amateur career, you know, at like in a pretty high level of racing he's done the isde twice and if you didn't know the isde is uh stands for the international six days enduro it's they call it the olympics of off-road it's a very prestigious event perfect way that's exactly how i explain it yeah i've um in all honesty i've seen it online printed that way like the olympics of motorcycling so (laughs) i did not make up that term but um we could have gave you the credit i don't think anyone i I know it sounded like i made it up um so that is a very prestigious event still is you have to qualify for it only the best in the world do it my dad's done it three times so my dad he did it in the 90s okay three times and he's, really he's, really quick before you go past that how do you end up there how do you end up getting qualifying for that is there races prior to that yes and like trials yeah gotcha. yeah and once you're in that world you know you just kind of know what the next steps are and you're guided there normally and, there's there's at least for the u.s there's three qualifiers on the west coast and then three qualifiers on the east coast okay. and then they take the fastest guys and then they have a they have a trophy team and a junior trophy team, which is like they don't have to qualify. They're they're picked by like the team leader or whatever. And so those are normally like the top dogs, like the fastest guys. Okay. And then junior trophy teams, I believe, is either under twenty six or twenty eight years. So it's just the same thing. Okay. The top three or top four fastest kids. And then they have a women's trophy team, which last year the men the men's trophy team and then the women's trophy team won. 
I think junior team podiumed, and then they have like satellite teams, which is uh, like what Dante was on. So that's where the qualifiers come in. Yeah, you qualify, and then they have a handful of satellite teams, East and West Coast, and then those are still really fast kids, but they just had to qualify. They're not at that like top top pro best in the world level yet. Right, and then um dante's team with it was austin walton and i'm trying to think i can't remember who the the third guy was but they actually won that was it ben ben kelly no no i don't think so but yeah so us did really good in it last year we won three out of the four categories and got second in the other one i think so that's cool that your dad sounds like he's among those prestigious people in the 90s if you if you make it to isde like you're badass for sure that's awesome he would have been on um the satellite teams they call them club teams also yeah Yeah. Yeah. okay he would have been on the satellite teams so he had to go through the qualifiers and he tells me stories about how he would road trip with a buddy in a van they would have to hit a qualifier in michigan and they would just do that it's not a chinese fire drill what is it called when you switch drivers while you're driving he would do that He's told me I'm about the last that. person yeah, to ask where about you're this. just on cruise control. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. Done, I've done it a few times on some yeah, road trips. You're, the, the van or truck is on cruise control, and you switch drivers real quick so that you do not have to stop unless absolutely necessary. And so they would road trip out there, race, road trip back, and never stop. It was just gnarly. But he's he was so into it. You know, he still is. He's my number right. one sponsor now and my number one supporter. And when it sounds like, I mean, you already beat me to one of my questions. It sounds like he's one of your biggest inspirations. Yes, even, he it is. sounds like at a young age. So, so, okay. So you're, I, I interrupted you, but you're going on the track saying that, you know, your dad being a part of the nineties, a yes. part of that. So tell me, so tell me more. So he was your inspiration. Right. And then he got you started. It sounds like he did, but I really just wanted to ride horses for a while. Oh, I mean, there was a huge period of time when I was younger where I just wanted to go to the barn and I just wanted to ride ponies. And it was, um, my dad kept saying like, why do you want to ride something with a brain? Why don't you want to ride something with With a a motor? motor. It's much more predictable, (laughs) you know, and much less expensive. (laughs) That's funny. I like that. um, But I kept saying, no, I want horses. Dad, I want a horse. I want a horse. It's not going to happen. So, so he still tells me about this day. I have no memory of this day, but he finally dragged me to Metcalf, which is a local riding area in San Jose, if people aren't sure. And he had this TTR 125, which is this little, very easy to ride four stroke little Yamaha. And he said he put me on it and I rode around and I guess I had this big old fat smile on my face. <laughs> but when I would make eye contact with him, I would frown because I wanted, didn't I didn't want, want, him want to know you're happy. I didn't want him to know I was having fun. <laughs> I think fun. we've all been there with our parents. You exactly. don't want to admit you're having fun. I did. Exactly. But deep down, you're having the time of your life because you knew life. they're right and you don't it, want them to be right. Correct. <laughs> correct. Exactly. 13 years old. And so that was uh, the beginning of it. So I went through a many, many years where I only rode really small bikes like that. Like I think after the TTR, I actually rode an XR100 for a while, which is even smaller because I had this thing in my head that I didn't want to be on anything big. I was scared. I didn't want to hurt myself. I didn't want to go too fast. I just wanted to put around with dad and my sister. And then I finally got on a 125 two-stroke, which is bigger and actually meant to do things. And um, that's when I started having even more fun. But um, he dragged us to a couple races. My sister never raced at this time. She just putted around with us and she's five years younger. So she wasn't, she was still pretty young at this time. And I didn't really know what I was doing in these races. I just would show up and flop around, you know, and like did okay in the C women's class, which is like the novice women's class, but never really thought about progress or results. And my dad bless his heart for this. He always made it a point to make sure that my sister and I only rode because we wanted to, not because he was pushing us and not because he expected anything from us and not because um, 
he wanted to, you know, brag about certain results. He wanted us to do it because it was a family thing. He loved watching us ride no matter how fast or slow we were. And he never wanted it to be a chore. That's awesome. He wanted us to just love it. So because of that mindset, I went through many years, even after, you know, like I went to college, didn't ride. And then after that, still many years of just kind of cherry picking races and not really thinking about progress. And I just was just kind of flopping around stagnant. And then, um, in 2016 and 2017, I gained a little bit of weight and I was heavier than I am now. And I had a lot of people comment on me looking like I was pregnant. People asked me all the time. I actually counted it, it was in 2017, 10 people at 10 different times asked me if I was pregnant because I carried all of my weight in my middle. And not only was my self-esteem in the toilet at that time, but the races that I was doing, since I was just not in shape and I didn't have a fitness program, didn't have any focus on goals or progress, it just compounded with my crappy results. And I was getting lapped by the leader of my class. I was getting last place. I couldn't even finish a lap without getting debilitating arm cramps that I would have to pull over and wait to go away because I had no control of the bike when I was riding. It was a safety issue at that point. Wow. And so at the end of 2017, I realized like I have to make a change. Right. Like this is crazy. And so I got on a fitness program. I lost the weight. I set goals about, okay, I want to work my way up through the B class. Cause I was in the B class at that time. Okay. Don't know why I should have been <laughs> in the C class still, but I was in the B class getting last place, holding up the caboose. And I was like, I want to make it through the B class. And my ultimate goal at that time, my like bucket list before I die goal was to become an A rider. That was like the only thing I wanted. And I had all of these tiny, I made all of these tiny little incremental goals and I did it. And so that was only within the last three years. So of the 22 years I've been riding, I flopped around for 18 of them. Hmm. If that makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, it sounds like, you know, I, cause I, I think about on a personal level, how I could raise like school, you know, it's not a pun intended. It's not a race, you know? The other day is you're you're in there, you're getting it done, you're making something happen. You set a goal, you achieved it, and right. you are achieving it currently. It sounds like you know, and yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, to I hear that. I can't believe it. I mean, at this point, I had someone recently asked me. I think it was Dustin actually who asked me. Well, what are your goals now? You hit that because I was just moved to the A class in January. It's been a wake up call. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but um, I I'm struggling to find the next incremental goals. Um, I have a couple little ones, but. I just never thought I would get this far. Yeah. And I, and I can't believe it. Honestly, it's an honor to, to be in that class and to get my butt kicked weekend after weekend, you know, that's sure. what's been happening so far. Sure. And I you just haven't been getting your butt kicked well, within your class. Sometimes it's been a mixed bag of results. So, so, well, I, so before I can already almost feel it coming is that, you know, Shane is already recognizing knowing what you've been doing in your class. And so, um, Shane's always been a really big supporter for me. And I freaking love him for it because he's always, whether I was larger, getting last or doing well, Shane's always treated me the same. And And I love that. I I love that Shane, you don't know, but I had the opportunity when we were chatting on the phone that I think the quote you use is that he was, he's always been in your corner, which is so cool to reference that, you know, that you've known him since he was a kid, you know, and here you are so many years later, you're still in that same realm together. And so I want you, you guys, even you guys can each share your piece on is how you guys kind of found that connection through dirt biking and what this friendship has become, you know, and how you guys support each other. Talk about that. Either one of you could start on that. When did we meet? I, I think I, you were 13. 
13? I think it was at like a piglet. Younger than that. Maybe 12. Okay. It might have been because I seemed I I have I was thinking about this and I have a memory of coming into the Hollister Lower Ranch parking lot where we were parked for the piglet and I met your dad and he said, "Oh, my son Shane is around here." And you were so quiet. You were riding your bicycle around. You were so little with your sweet little cheeks. <laughs> and I was like, "How old is this kid? He's a baby." So maybe 12. Yeah. I know. Does I that see. make sense that it would have been 10 years ago? I started riding when I was nine and then like Alex Wagner kind of forced me and my dad to be part of the timekeepers. Yeah. So maybe I was like 11 or 12 or something like that. I was definitely young. I was probably on my Honda 100 maybe at the time. Maybe. Yeah. 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 And then I think our friendship, you know, was kind of slow to start just because there was a big age gap and he was so young, but sure, I would boy. say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would say in the last four years, we've become closer because we were in the same team. We're in the same club together. So we're in the timekeepers motorcycle club. It's an enduro club. Okay. And I'm, I'm in the club cause my dad was in it like 20 years ago. So I was kind of grandfathered into it. And so when I showed up to a meeting randomly 12 years ago, everyone was like, Oh yeah, Phil's daughter, come on in. So it was <laughs> nice, you know, and, yeah. and I knew all of them already. So it was, it was very comforting, comforting. Sure. And so Shane and I were in the club. So we do club activities together. We host races together, but we also chase the um, series together for the races that we do, not the races that we host, but the races that like Shane and I compete in mm-hmm. within that same district. So we do the cross country races and the enduros together. Gotcha. And so just going to a lot of these events together over yeah. the years has made us pals. Uh, it's probably the enduros that really brought us together because the cross country is far more popular than the enduros. So it's a Correct. smaller, tight group. And especially yes. with the club, you know, we're out there for the weekend, we're all camping together and whatever. And, you know, you're just talking shit around the campfire and stuff like that. And we both have pretty big personalities. So, so. I would say so big. I know at least you got a hell of a personality yeah, down so there. So we just started getting along and just having fun. Cause I think we both just like to have fun. Cause I mean, I was the same way. I never really took it serious until like after I graduated high school, which was 2017. Is like, that when is that in relation to when you broke your foot? I broke my leg in 2016. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Cause Shane, sorry to interrupt you, but Shane went from, doing pretty well in the C-class to breaking his foot catastrophically. I remember seeing it, you with bad. things uh, yeah. sticking out of it. I was, it was out for over a year. That's when him and I really started hanging out on a daily yes. basis. So I remember the he surgery and everything. plenty of time, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I was at his house almost every day, it felt like. Yeah. yeah. So he went from pretty fast C-rider to broken and out for over a year to B-rider for a blip. I mean, like a blip. If you could, like time into a blip he was a b-rider for one second smoked everyone moved up to the a-class smoked everyone now is in double a and is like competing with some of the best guys in california like no problem and he doesn't even ride half the time he just rides his bicycle and i'm not just saying just rides his bicycle i know that conditioning is amazing but he doesn't have a lot of dirt bike seat time these days and he still comes out and smokes everybody it's awesome it's incredible seeing the support you guys have for each other. I could really feel the Like, I wish I could do that. I don't ride for two weeks. I don't even remember how to kickstart. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a mess. And I, I – not everyone if – if for any of our listeners who have never even touched a dirt bike, I have gotten and gotten on a dirt bike all of one time. He took me out. He goes, no, come on, come on. Let's, let's go out. I want to get you on a bike and ride, you know. And I was terrified. Not only like – it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I was definitely smiling. But I have a whole lot of respect for the control of the bike and the speed and everything that right. you guys can do because getting on it and as soon as I start getting, oh, okay, I can start getting on the throttle a little bit. Well, then I got to come into this turn, you know, it's a whole different story. So I was 
compared to Shane when we got there, I, I had fun again, but I was putting around. I basically right. just straight line putting, maybe touch the throttle for a little bit and let off. Right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people, and Shane, I can imagine you've gotten questions like this too. People who have never ridden a dirt bike, they, especially since I've been so diligent about my fitness routine, because that's almost everything for me at this point. Mm-hmm. Like my fundamental technique is pretty good, but it's the fitness that holds me back because if I can't hang on to the bike at the speeds that I want to go, that make me competitive in the class, then I'm toast, you right. know, like, and that takes a lot of cardio and a lot of strength and a lot of conditioning. Absolutely. So, so people who don't ride don't realize how physically demanding it is. And people say, I've, I still hear people say this, why do you need to exercise to ride a dirt bike? Don't you just sit and like, you isn't just, there like a foot pedal? Do you like yeah. twist something? <laughs> yeah. Like, why is that? Hey, no, Rachel, exhausting? I'm going to tell you before Shane says something is I was that ignorant person for the while. I know, I'll just I don't mean to make no. fun of people who do that, but it's just, I just want so badly for them to know. And there's no way you can describe it. And you know, and it's before, right before Shane says something here is that I'll say from the ignorant side before I was enlightened, we'll use the word is that I didn't realize there was a lot more of a physical aspect to it. Like, yeah, okay, you got to lean, you got to turn, you got to hold on, whatever. But like I, I, it, it brought me to a whole nother light of dirt biking. And even I looked into it some more as F1 racers have to do a ton of fitness training right. and given they're doing, I think even I would argue a little less than what you guys are doing where they're sitting in this little pod right. at least. Golfers, but golfers have to do a lot of physical yeah, training. Yeah, they do. But I wouldn't even you relate know. it to dirt biking. Even you guys got to do a lot more, you know, and yeah, I was yeah. ignorant to the it. The racing we do, we're holding on to a motorcycle going as fast as we can for two plus hours and our heart rate's not always peaking, but it, it's bouncing off that peak, that upper range. Like it's a lot of work. And you say yeah. as fast as you could go. Can you put a number on that roughly for some people and straightaways? What so, would you say that is? To give like people the, an idea. The desert races, like that Toulon Enduro we did in uh, March, uh, I got second overall. And yeah. I, I think on the, I was in a sand wash. I think I topped out at like 85 miles an hour. And that's, and that just shows, and I'm sure maybe not 80 miles per hour, but you could relate and understand right. too, is like, it's cause that's your realm. That's your second yeah. nature. It's all, you know, in a way yeah, it sounds like. It gets like. to a right. point where like, I'm so confident in my ability to control the bike and granted things happen. And like, that's the scary thing. Like when you're desert racing going that fast, this is just a rock you don't see or whatever. Next thing you know, you're going over the bars at that speed. But like, I'm just like confident in my ability and the bike's ability to like just maneuver itself and. That's how I'm so com- I'm just comfortable with it. So and I think that's a perfect way to segue into this. A question I want to ask you, Rachel, is that, you know, you're talking about the dangers of dirt bike racing. It's a dangerous sport. It's, it's, it's very dangerous. You put a lot of risk for, you know, a, a high reward, right? right? So I want you to talk about some of your racing experiences and maybe some close calls tied in with the injuries. Kind of all three of those, you know, whether the racing experiences were cool, high moments that were awesome. And then, again, like close calls where you're like, oh, man, I, something bad could happen, whatever it may be. Right. I want to hear about that. So I've had a couple pretty bad injuries that have completely changed my approach on racing because I realized that I'm not going to go anywhere if I'm on the ground. Mm -hmm. So after the last injury I had, which was, I had, um, I was in a head on collision. Actually, it was a weird situation and, um, head on with a head on with another bike. Yeah, it was a very, it was very scary. It was very unexpected and it was a complete accident, but I, I didn't do any damage to, it affected my left knee, which I had ACL surgery on in 2012. So nine years ago, that was also from a dirt bike crash. Um, I, it affected my left knee, just the impact. It didn't twist anything, didn't do any ligament damage. Thank goodness. But 
it freaked me out so much that I realized, you know, I know that that's an accident, but it just made me realize I need to do everything I can in my power to make sure that I'm being as safe and as mindful and as observant, observant as possible moving forward, because I think it will actually make me a better writer. And it has, I think I've actually gotten faster as a result because I now make better decisions on the bike. Right. But the flip side is there are things that I'm not willing to do. Mm-hmm. Like that big triple at a motocross track, forget it. I'm not going to do big it. Big triple it, being what? Like triple jump, yeah, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there okay. are certain things that I just won't do because I just, the risk reward ratio is just not there for me. But that's gotcha. okay. That's the choice that I make in order to keep myself safe. So yeah, in, in 2012, I tore my ACL and it required three procedures to get it right. It was a pretty hard recovery. So I was off the bike for like eight or nine months. And then I broke my pelvis in 2015. That was a complete accident, like a fluke accident too. I collided with someone in the air over a jump. Oh my gosh. And um, I don't have much of a memory of the impact, but a lot of worse things could have happened. Yeah. You know, I could have well, I mean, paral- shoot. I, mean, I don't even want to say it out loud to put it in the universe, but yeah. I'm just very thankful. And I still struggle with some residual issues now. I have to go to a chiropractor frequently. Um, just to keep my lower back in check. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I'm completely fine. It's completely healed. And then I randomly tore my groin muscle in 2018. On It was on a fire road at Georgetown. I think I, I, think I told you about this, Shane. This was in 2018, like maybe a quarter of a mile into our ride in the morning, not even on a trail. It was on a fire road. <laughs> and I hit a tree root in such a way it was the perfect storm, right? It yeah. was like, I wasn't going that fast, but I hit it at the exact speed and angle that pitched me over the bike and made me do, I'm oh guessing gosh. the splits by accident in the air. Oh. Do yoga, everyone, if you're racing, because yeah. it'll keep you limber. <laughs> I need to start doing it because I think about it every time I ride. Oh. And um, that no longer gives me issues either. That has made a full recovery also, but Good. I couldn't walk for about a month. I can only imagine. I mean, yeah. I I, <laughs> I just went and played football for the first time in like years and my groin just tight right now right didn't even tear it so i can imagine not being able to walk tearing the muscle yeah so i have made a lot of decisions since then um to just improve my likelihood of staying upright and now it's almost like a game that i play with myself Mm -hmm. how well can i do and how far can i progress while riding completely or like as much in control as possible without exceeding my comfort level. Like I'm, I'm really willing to ride on the edge, but on the correct side of the edge, if that makes sense. Yeah. 100%. So, so it's a game. How well can I do while not riding like an idiot? Right. You, you want to push because the Because I have ridden like an idiot in the past and being careless. Right. And I think some of it could have been prevented. Some of them can't. Right. Like I have another example that just happened about two months ago at um, Burroughs Ranch on the starting line with three other girls in the first, the first turn was about a hundred yards away. And it was this right hand, 90 degree right hand turn in this very silty corner. Oh, Bear Mountain? Um, Burroughs. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the races that we do this, this is a cross country race and it's a dead engine start. So there's four girls on the line, dead engine start. They wave a flag. You start your bike and you go. And I have been getting pretty good starts recently. Knock on wood, because as soon as I say that, my bike's never going to start again. But um, I have been getting pretty good starts. So naturally, I'm on the line with three girls, and I am like amped because I'm always all spun out on the start. That's something that I'm working on is trying to calm down because sometimes I cramp up just looking at the bike. You know, like on the (laughs) start, I'm just a mess already. So I'm amped up, and I get a good start, and I'm in front, and then I'm coming in way too hot to this first quarter. I know it already. I'm going to blow this corner. So I have to slow down a ton and I push wide 
and all three girls are on my inside and the girl closest to me and I connect and somehow my right boot gets stuck. I don't, I still don't know Tyler how this happened. My right boot gets stuck in between her tire and her swing arm. And we both go down in this dog pile. And since we're connected, we can't get up. And so spectators are running over oh. to help us. There's this whole dust. It probably looked like in the cartoon, like this whole like dust yeah, cloud. You right? can't see what's happening. And then it clears and there's a pile. <laughs> and so they, they, I see a spectator and I make this split second decision. I see a spectator get ready to yank this girl's bike off me. And I know my foot is in this weird position and no one else knows it. And right. it's this split second. I don't even have time to say careful of my leg, yeah. but I made a split second decision to relax my foot completely and hope that when they yanked the bike up, that my boot would go with it yeah. so that I wouldn't break my ankle. Right. And that's exactly what happened. My oh brand my new gosh. Garnet boots that I, it was like my fifth ride. These are <laughs> stiff, tight boots. I don't know how my foot came out of it, but it slid out like it was all buttered up. And it, and then I just sat there like a goober with like one boot on and yeah. like some random guy trying to yank my boot out of her bike. And she's on her bike, ready to go, looking back, waiting for the boot, waiting for the boot <laughs> to come out of her bike so she can go. And I'm just sitting there with one boot yeah. staring. I mean, it was such a weird situation but i could have i mean could have been a broken ankle yeah could have been a broken tib fib could have been awful you know she could have gotten hurt yeah. too i'm so thankful that she's not hurt with, with sports and it was a complete accident right oh yeah like, totally. how does that even how did my foot get in there what are the odds right i keep my feet on the pegs i try but, i know yeah. i i think about sports injuries and i think about from the football aspect and people like my mom cringe when she sees you know, anyone get tackled? She's like, oh, don't get hurt, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And to me, it's like, oh, whatever. It just happened, you know? Right. You saying this, I'm cringing like the whole time you tell me. I'm like, oh, oh, man. And two, five to change, like, oh, yeah, it happens, whatever. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It could be worse. You know? Sounds like you guys, between the two of you, have seen some crazy, crazy things, to say the yeah. least, you know? And I feel like that's just tip of the iceberg, you know? Totally. The tip of the iceberg. And so... Um, tell me about some of the racing experiences, maybe like the high notes. Have you gotten any big wins or anything like that? Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I want to talk about Bear Mountain, one of my favorite. That's probably been my best race this year so far. Okay. Um, there were four girls in the class, and um, this was a unique case. It was the first race that they did this where they had an A women's purse. So there was actually money on the line for the top three girls that finished. They oh, split a thousand dollars between the three top finishers. How neat is that? How neat is that? They've never <laughs> done that for a non-pro class. Yeah. So what they did in order to stack the field a little more is they removed the double A women's class and they made it just the A class so that if any double A women showed up, they would be clumped in the A. Hmm. Just to make the competition stiffer because right. there are so many fewer double A women. Yeah, it was more like just like an overall women's class. And like an overall women's class. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So, so I'm in this class with my two usual suspects in the A class, and then we had a pro lady show up, and I mean, we all knew that she was gonna that she was gonna win. So we're all battling for second place, right? Sure. And. I ended up getting second, which was amazing because these other two girls that are in my class, we've become pals over the years and we've ridden together, you know, like on off season weekends and they're wonderful, you know, and like we all push each other. And I, I know that there are days where either one of them will kick my butt. So okay. it was an honor to end up yeah. being close to them, let alone in front of them. Cause it doesn't happen very often. And it, <laughs> I don't think it's happened since. Well, maybe, well, I'm not sure, but, yeah. um, doesn't matter. It's an honor to be racing with any of those girls. And on my last lap, I knew that I was in second, but I didn't know how far behind I was. And two things happened. 
first highlight was Shane lapped me. And the reason why I love that is because Shane and I have talked about this where as soon as I moved up to the A class, that meant that there are going to be some races where my class is lumped in with his class. They don't always put the A women with all of the A sportsmen, but mm-hmm. sometimes they do. And in this particular case, they did. And I've always joked with Shane, like, Shane, if you lap me, give me a scream, give me a holler, like, mm-hmm. give me a shout when you pass Every me. single race, I always scream at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and, and me too, when, because up until now, we've been able to spectate each other's races because we're not in the same right. race because I was in the B class. Uh-huh. And I always scream at him when he goes by. And I know he hears me. And I always hear him when he was to scream at me. So in this race, this was the first time that he laughed me. And he scre- and not only did he scream at me, which I loved, but he did it. And I wish – I'm going to try and paint this picture for you, Tyler. Please. I he did it <laughs> on this corner that was like a flat – flat corner it wasn't really flat because it was full of breaking bumps stutter bumps square edges like horrible corner shane is flat track drifting around it like pitched sideways like so much roost (laughs) screaming at me and then it's like an s turn and then it goes into this right hand corner and then just like goes into this really really loose corner the, 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 the second right hand corner was this really loose corner and like blast this berm and just it was just so beautiful you know I wish I had a GoPro but I loved that he screamed at me and I screamed back I think you heard and it makes me so happy because it's like a moment it's almost equivalent to him just giving me a little fist bump and being like hey I hey. see you I can't talk to you right now I'll be back but good job I'm just gonna give you a little and then I'm gonna keep going and so that's that connection yeah made my day and yeah because I've had like a couple other I know a couple other guys in the double A or even a class who mm-hmm. have laughed me before, who give me a little like, Hey Rachel, you know, a little shout It makes my day. But with Shane, it was so great. Cause we've talked about it. I'm like, I can't wait and for you to finally... scream. I can't wait to watch you out there in action. And I knew he was doing well. Cause it was a very little time between when the first guy lapped me and he lapped me. So I knew he was like top 10 and I okay. think you ended up 10th overall. Um, but also in that race at the very end of the last lap, I ran out of gas. Oh boy. Didn't really run out of gas, but um, our gas tanks, most of them have like a reserve um, setting where right. if you, where, you know, like if you flip it on to just on, it'll go to a certain level. And then to kind of protect you, if you run out at that point, you can put, flip it on reserve and there's a little bit left, right. you know? So I didn't flip mine on reserve. This is, I just got bumped to this class and I'm getting used to these longer races where I'd probably have to just flip it on reserve in the beginning. Yeah, that's so normally I could, the strategy is you just have it on reserve. Right. I didn't, I didn't think about this cause mm-hmm. I'm still all spun out and trying to figure out my life. <laughs> and so I couldn't believe it cause I had no idea how far behind the other two girls were. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was like the highlight of my life that I was in front of them. And I didn't know how much time, if any, I had. Okay. So I had to pull over and futz with my thing. Of course I like couldn't find it. Of course the bike wouldn't start. Of course I'm just <laughs> pulling my, my hair. I'm feeling my hair going gray just in these 30 <laughs> seconds. I'm so stressed out. A bunch of people passed me. I didn't look to see who it was. And I pulled in and I rode as fast as I could to the finish, still ended up in second place. So they what? were not in that crew to pass me. And I was and able to, I actually had second. enough time. Yeah, I was wow. that, I was that far ahead. And again, like, I'm so honored that I had that beautiful day because those girls in my class are rad. That's insane. Rad, you know. I want to go back to when I passed you. I, I, I told you this after this race, but um, I've passed you a couple of times before. Back, like, especially like when I was, in, we were in the B class together right. and stuff and in, I think this might have been like the second time or third time you a class, but like comparing this time to like the times before, normally I see Rachel, I'm like, Oh, there she is. And then like, I catch you pretty quick. And then, you know, we scream at each other and then carry on. Yeah, but I, I saw, love the screen. I saw sure. her, I saw her and I was like, cool, cool. Like I'm going to, you know, figure out what I'm going to say, which is normally just like 
Rachel at the top of my lungs. <laughs> but like, it actually took me a minute to like catch you. Like, it took me way longer than like it normally does. And I was like, oh shit! Like, Rachel's kind of moving right now. Like, <laughs> like she's gotten a lot like, faster. So like, much. It's such an honor to hear. And <laughs> you said I looked really cool. I always try to look super cool when I pass you. Like style points matter here, huh? I, I, that section every lap before I was in third gear, kind of just riding smooth, keeping the you know k- taking it easy on the bike. I definitely shifted down the second. And I just had it on the rev limiter the whole time. And I just All didn't way, let, oh, let off. And I remember I just blew that berm up perfectly. And I was like, oh, I hope she saw that. Oh, I did see <laughs> and it. And Rich, you had a GoPro, um, huh? I was so proud. I was like a proud mom. I just <laughs> loved it. Yeah, so, it was. I, I that was a really cool race. That was yeah. probably the highlight for me at this point, especially since I've been having some confidence issues in the A class just because the first sure. two rounds I got last place. And this was the third round. So it was really cool to go from last to second. And there were only four mm-hmm. total, but still, I mean, one girl, four girls, 10 girls, mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing the best I can. Right. You know, and, um, and I know that any girl at any time can be a threat. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what their historical results are. You don't know who ate their Wheaties that day, people. Right. You do not know. <laughs> and but, I've learned that. And so. it's, right. it's also cool because like, a lot of people have different strong suits. Right. Like Madison's more of like the motocross, like faster right. and that She'll kind of kill stuff. Me on a motocross track. But then Absolutely. when we get technical, like you're definitely more confident in the technical stuff and like everyone's kind of got their ups and downs. But right. but even then, shout out to Maddie if she's watching this. Um, even then, when we did the she and I did a hare and hound together mm-hmm. in January, it was super technical. She killed me in that. She was like 10 minutes faster in the super technical stuff. I mean, granted, it was a really long lap and I fell over a couple times, but I mean, I was so impressed because normally, you know, like, like you said, people have their strong suits. And I think I thought that I would at least be closer to her. Mm-hmm. No, Maddie, you rock. So <laughs> yeah. it was really cool. Like, and again, you just don't know. It's, it's very right. safe to assume that at any time someone's going to come out and just kick yeah. your butt. And then I wanted to backtrack again to what you were saying before about how all the girls you race against, you're like buddies with and you ride together. I think that's one of the cool things about dirt bikes is like, my biggest competitors are like my best friends. Right. Like I hang out and party and ride with like my biggest competitors more than like anybody else. Like we get along great and like have the best relationships and go camping together and riding all the time. And like, those are like my, my main group of friends is like supposed to be the the guys I hate on paper. Right. (laughs) But then, and it's great too, because the the more I like somebody, the more I want to beat them too. So like, like me and Kyle is a great example. And that's, like you mentioned how you were able to like calm down and like take your riding back, like ride within your means to like prevent injuries. I think why I got hurt so much when I was younger is because I was, I started riding when I was nine, Kyle and Jason, and all of them started riding when they were two. And then I just got brought into it. They're already racing. I was not racing. And then I started racing and I was like, I got to keep up with these guys. So I started just riding as fast as I could to like try to keep up with Ryan and Kyle and Jason and stuff. And then I kind of figured it out, got some like more skill. And then after like my leg injury is like my big one. I was out for a year, didn't walk for eight months. And I was like, okay, I need to like figure this out. Yeah. And then, I mean, I had the little collarbone slip up, but that was just a freak accident. Right. It's been five years since I got hurt. Yeah. But just like growing up with Kyle was like huge. I mean, we're like the same speed. Like it's kind of a toss up on, on who wins nowadays. Like it's pretty fun. And they have two totally different styles. Really? If In what way? So kind of tell different. me about the styles and dirt biking. It sounds like there's styles. I don't, I don't know. So I'll give you my interpretation. Then you can counter me or agree or disagree. But Shane is like the send it Sally. 
right? Like, not just surprised. like, I don't care what's in my way. I'm going to be pinned and I'm going to look sick going over whatever <laughs> this is. And I'm going to probably roost you in the meantime. And I might hit a couple rocks, but I'm going to like go through it faster than all of you. Sounds and just like Kyle, him. And Kyle is extremely calculated and so very mindful. Calculated. Never wants to have like anything touch his bike. So his bike, even with, a zillion hours on any bike he's ever had. It looks perfect. Mm-hmm. They look perfect. Pristine. There's like no, no yeah. nicks, no scratches. He doesn't drop it. He never falls. He's super calculated. So he will pick a totally different line than Shane and be pretty close to the same speed. That's and it's a toss yeah. up on any given section who will be able to negotiate it quicker. I would never think that'd be like a factor in racing. I feel like it's like, fastest line there but oh, it, it's there's a lot of strategy lines. yeah it's like the european guys like if you watch a video like if you say like someone filmed me and kyle doing like the same section again like, if you're like who's faster you're gonna save me every time because kyle just looks slower but we're going the same exact speed yeah because he's just so like like kyle's always a gear higher than i am like he likes to ride in the low rpms i'm in the high rpms just like just two completely different riding styles yeah. but it, like we'll be i mean a lot of the races like now i think the high speed stuff I've got him on for sure. Like the desert stuff. I, I'm just kind of more willing to let it hang out, but he might eat his Wheaties one day. Yeah. But you never know. Eat his Wheaties. Um, you gotta watch out. But like, even like besides the desert stuff, which I think is just a little different, but like you take like all the, the district, like the Enduros and stuff. Like hopefully I can get back into racing this year. Like it's always down to like seconds. And like, right. I'm sure it's in the back of his head too, but like I'm racing and I'm like, all right, I know Kyle probably clean that section better than I do. It's like, so now on the straightaway, I just got to hang it out like one more second because I know he probably let go of the throttle over there. And But yeah, I mean, it's always like, it's just cool to like see who can win. Yeah. And that, and the nice thing about them being buddies and riding together all the time, it's just this constant effort to like run each other over metaphorically, you know, metaphorically, like, I want sure. to get, mm-hmm. I want to get in front of mm-hmm. you right. and having yeah. that constant. And we've both gotten faster from it because yeah. we, we'll go out and we haven't done it in a while, but like we used to go out and like ride Metcalf or like whatever local park or I made that grass track by my house last year. We'll just like ride and like I'll be on his back tire then he'll be on my back tire. And then I remember we were doing the, we were doing well at Stonyford Learner's Loop and then we were doing time lapse at Metcalf one day. Literally every single time we had time each other on something within one second. Hmm. Like it's, I think what's really cool is I never would have thought with dirt biking is that, it's like a chess match. It sounds like in a way it's like a chess match. Yeah, there's, sections, there's, yeah. sections there's a lot of, there's actually match. a more strategy than you would think. Going I, in. And I, yes. and truthfully I'll tell you right now is I wouldn't have known that, right. you know, it seems like it's just like who can go faster. Like for example, that, that's I thought, at, uh, as simple as that at yeah. the same race we we're talking about earlier, bros ranch, Anthony Ferrante and I literally after like two and a half hours of racing tied, there was mm-hmm. zero se- seconds of separation between the two of us. And he, he, got off to that better start because Justin and I got held up by that lady and I was eventually able to track him down and pretty much for like an hour plus I was just on his back tire just waiting for him to make a mistake because it was very hard to pass as wide as it was it was so dusty and we got into lapped riders really quick so it was just super hard to make passes and he's also fast enough to where in order to pass him at your current speed at both of your current speeds it would be like a death trap yeah like in the dust and stuff like Like you you have to wait for to capitalize on a mistake there were straightaways where like i walked the entire course so i knew they were safe like it's super wide no big rocks or bumps but like he's going 50 miles an hour i'm going 50 miles an hour but i literally cannot see two feet in front of me right i've seen some of your gopro footage so what we did 
Um, he passed me. I remember now where you passed me there. He yeah. passed me down a downhill at like a hundred miles an hour. I was like, <laughs> oh my shame. And I didn't shout at you at the time because I didn't know it was you. Yeah. I, I screamed at you. you I, oh, I heard you scream. And then yeah. last, and then afterwards I'm like, oh my God, that was Shane. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, you passed me yeah, so, so it, fast on another one. So like the strategy cool. thing of it was, first of all, like it's a lot easier. Obviously the dust makes it difficult, but it is a lot easier, like mentally, mentally to follow. Yes. Right. And so like I'm following Ferrante, like, I don't know if I'm faster than him that day or not because, like, it's just easier because I get to see his lines and his mistakes and, like, kind of, like, quickly make a different line or whatever and just there's just less pressure on me because if I fall, I can always get back up and catch him. But if he falls, now I have the lead and now he's got to, like, get me back. So I was just kind of waiting for him to make a mistake and he never did. So um, this was a longer race, so we had to pit for gas. And normally I pit on, like, lap four or whatever, but I actually pit a lap early. They pulled me off, pit my gas, and he kept going. So now he has a bigger lead, but now I'm, I don't have any dust because now he's gone ahead. So I have clear air. And so now I could ride as hard as I can. And I was able to catch up to him again, back on him. But now in that next lap, he's got to stop for gas. Right. So he's pulled over for gas, and now I have the lead. It's a tra- right. That right. Is a, and that is a strategy to sometimes pit earlier than later because you can't win the race in the first half. You right. Know? But the last half might be down to the wire. That's so. interesting to hear that. I, again – uh, I hate to repeat myself, but uh, I'm learning so much here. Yeah, no, this is, I'm, this. I'm glad we were able to and, describe it in such de- vivid detail for and you. And I want to ask you as we, earlier, both of you guys mentioned about kind of who you're surrounded by in this racing community between the class and stuff. And one thing I think about, I, a question I thought of and I want to compare to is so between men and women in this sport, you know, I think about basketball, for example, is that. You know, men's basketball on the professional level, for example, is always so much more glorified than women's, you know, and and underappreciated and usually discredited even so far. So I'm curious, hopefully not, but I'm curious as to, you know, being a woman in this dirt biking community and racing and whatnot. Do you see any of this where it's discredited or is it overall strong, healthy community? What is that like for you and your perspective? I think that it's getting bigger every year. Um, there's a lot more women racers now than ever before, I would say in the pro class too. And, um, there is never going to be, I think as much money or sponsorships or media coverage for women's classes as there is men. I I don't know if that'll ever change. It would be amazing if it did, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think it's grown a lot. And I think there's a lot of mad respect for women who race at any level Mm -hmm. because anyone who's out there racing for everyone that's out there racing, there's a thousand women at home who are like, that's scary. I don't know if I could do that. Right. So it's brave, you know, and totally. I think, and I think it's very cool. And we in the district that we race in, we recently created a lot more women's classes that are just a little more inclusive. So now like the mom of one of the youth racers who normally just comes on the weekends and just hangs out, there's a class for her now. Yeah, they have, like, if she wanted to get into stuff. it. Yeah. The diva it's classes. Just like, it's not even like a super competitive class. It's more like get out there and ride, get your toes wet. And yeah. If you like it. And but they have a blast. Yeah. And uh, at um, Burroughs Ranch, again, I, when I was walking the course on Saturday, there was like 25 women in like the diva class. Like I it's was like, really cool. Shit, like that's cool to see yeah, that. It's yeah. growing. It's in what sounds growing, like, a, like it's becoming more women friendly. And, in, and that's awesome because it sounds like prior to that, it's a mainly a, a, a men populated yeah, sport. It's totally a male dominated right? world. Yeah. percent men are out there. And, and I think like a couple people that have, it's also like difficult because like, men have like the broy like i'm better than you kind sure, of thing right. and so like some of the women just like they don't get in the racing because they are just like uncomfortable with it like that kind of break and i know like brian garahan he does this 
women-only training days, and they have, like, big women-only ride days to, like, where they can get more comfortable with their skill sets without having, like, some, like, you know, guy, like, try to, like, one-up them and, like, show off or whatever. Yeah. Like, so, like, that's really cool. And then it's funny, too, because, like, people just see a woman on a dirt bike, and they're like, ah, whatever, she's probably just slower putting around. But, like, we go on, like, rides to, like, Queer Creek, and Rachel comes along with us, and I'm more com- confident in her than, like, 90% of the guys that – Right. We drag cool. like, so like we drag along like some pretty gnarly shit, and I'm yeah. like, I know for sure Rachel, she might take a second longer than me, or whatever, but she's gonna get through it. And right. I know that there's some guys down there that are probably gonna need me to ride their bike up for them. But <laughs> That's I very nice of you to say. I don't. Maybe a couple of times I've had to help you out, but there's some pretty bad sites. I remember where were we like four. There was somewhere we went with the Cody guy. It, yes. And we just got down like it was with NFR. Yeah, it was just right? like a knot trail, and it there was, was a. Knot a trail. There was a down tree that was like three feet tall. White pines. This was at White Pines. And, gotcha. And uh, I, I, I was looking at it. And I was like, there's no shot. I'm going over this. And I just like, I'm like, I'm just going to try it. And then I made it. And then I was like getting off my bike to help Rachel. And she's already over it. I'm like, okay. I don't like, <laughs> I, I love didn't even, even, even want to do this tree. And then there was another guy with us that was looking at it. He's like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so then I had to get off my bike. And then I rode his bike up over for him. But like, there's just little examples like that where it's like, don't don't count the ladies out. Sure. And then, so it sounds like the community as a whole, though, is very supportive of oh, women yeah, riders. Yeah, then. yeah, I would, oh, yeah. I would say I, there's not really any like negativity towards the riders. But in like the technical aspect, like you're really good, like compared to a lot of the guys I ride with. And then there's Thank like, you, like Caitlin Jacobs and Ava Silvestri, who are younger. Like Caitlin's 19 and Ava's 16, I think. Like. I, I, I've had some guys like kind of talk shit like, oh, like whatever. They're not that fast. I'm like, I'm putting my money on Caitlin today against right. you. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, cause they're, the action ripping like, yeah. and then like Casey Martinez is another huge one. Like those, like the three pro women that I've like pretty close with Casey Martinez. Like she used to come to the local races. And I think up. I even know that name from you and yeah. you know, and I, I'm very super, super cool. Super cool. Her and her husband, Travis, yeah. really awesome. Um, but like she comes and signs up a two fifty and, gets a top five with the boys like yeah that's fa- awesome it's not like they're just fast for a girl like they're fast i love to see that there's a yeah. representation uh-huh. to it you know because i'm talking about the generic sports typical sports we'll call them you know like i said basketball mm-hmm. where women are involved and you yeah, know and this they're, is they're getting aspect. a lot more recon- recognition like casey was factory ktm and uh caitlin's on rpm ktm now and ava's on pervine yamaha like they're all getting factory rides and getting taken care of and yeah i mean they're they're doing awesome and they're putting in the work and I'm uh, I'm look, looking forward to the day when they're they're a lot faster than me. I won't be able to hang up with them anymore. <laughs> I know it's it's really cool to watch them. Yeah. There's um there's an interesting thing that I always think about, and I want to know your opinion on it too, Shane. So, in order for the women to kind of be in the spotlight, often clump the faster ladies with the novice men or the amateur men, and it's normally because the ladies in theory are faster than those guys, especially when you, when you put pro ladies in there and that gives them a time to shine, right? Cause they're usually at the top. Maybe they overall the race. And sometimes I wonder what if it was the norm to put gender aside and have a ladies race with a men, B ladies race with B men, you know, and right, put them all together. W- would that in theory over time 
cause the girls to kind of like rise to the occasion and be faster in general and be even more competitive with men in the equivalent. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. So you're just saying take the gender thing out completely. Right. And like, why can't I, as an A woman rider, line up on an A sportsman row? Not that, not that I would want to because yeah, yeah. I would be traction. I would be used for traction. But um, I'm just saying over time, would we be, would the, would the cultural expectation be such that women would be more comparable to men? Because there's a gap at this yeah. point. They, and, and not just our series, but other series, they recognize a women's class equivalent to a level down for the men's class. So A women are apparently supposedly comparable to B sportsman speed. B women are comparable to C sportsman speed. Double A women are comparable to A sportsman speed. That's how they categorize it. And that's how they clump classes in certain races. Okay. But why can't it just be assumed that all A's ride with A's? All yeah. B's ride with B's. And Would we be faster as a result after 100 years from now? I mean, you look right now. I mean, Tara Geiger, she would smoke me. She's really fast. Like, oh, right. Really yeah. fast. Like right now in works, like she's a step ahead of everybody. Like she goes, she'll win the overall women's and then race uh, like Pro 2 Lights, or which is, I guess just Pro 250 now because they got rid of that class. Like when they had Pro Two Lights, she would win Pro Two Lights against the the like the one twenty five kids and the two fifty F kids. But why aren't there more mm-hmm. Tara Geigers? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, she is an anomaly and she's amazing. And yeah, she's, she's been a she shreds. She's been a professional motocross, supercross, endurocross, ISDE. You know, Dustin was telling me forever. one time in Arizona he was racing and she actually lapped him. I love that. <laughs> I love that because yeah. Dustin's a monster on a bike. You know, yeah. to think of anybody lapping him, let alone a woman. Yeah, it's cool. Insane. I think, I mean, I think the women, like the fast women are definitely getting faster. Yeah. And like before there was really no representation of like the fast chicks, like especially in District 36, like there was never really like an A class until like the three of you kind of made it in the last couple of years. Right, right. It's, it's been a while at least. And yeah, there's been many years where there weren't any A women who showed up. Yeah. So it was just not an A women's class yeah. because no one participated. So it sounds like just a lack of representation before numbers I was maybe not even representation yeah. numbers you know and it seems like that is growing which is incredible yeah and I think it's like like the stuff that like Garahan does and like they have those women ride days that get women like more interested into the sport and invested like without like that fear of like having men around or whatever like it just kind of makes them more comfortable and they're like okay like now that I'm comfortable on the bike let's go try to do a race and so like it's definitely becoming a more like a friendly thing and and uh, now I like to see it. I love it when all the girls are out there racing. It's it's cool to yeah. see. And you love to see it. Well, I got to yeah. make it out to one of your races sometime because I mean I have yet to even think to go to one of Shane's races. Yeah. I've been around him at practices or he's putting around. Well, not even putting Come around. Come watch Shane's race. I'm not impressive. Well, no, Shane I sound, is impressive. I've heard a lot, and I I got to see it. I got <laughs> I got to you know see it with my own eyes. So as we wrap things up here, we've learned a lot about you. We've blown through this hour really quick. I want to kind of just you know we get into our last segment here. We do this segment every week. Uh, here on the show called the hot take of the week, Rachel, hot take of the week. where I so, say, you know, kind of just again, off the beaten path. I said that earlier in the show about a different topic, but still something that is varying from other people. And so, um, with doing this, we get to learn a little bit more about you in your own way too. What makes you unique. And so, uh, Rachel's actually going to get us started with the hot take of the week here, folks. Um, so Rachel, kind of tell us what your hot take is, if you will. Um, I think my hot take at this point would be that, Social media, I don't have social media. None. Um, Zilch. I have Zero. like 20 little friends on Snapchat. <laughs> Shane's one of them. And, um, <laughs> but otherwise, I do not have Instagram. I do not have Facebook. And my life is better for it 
So unpopular really? opinion. No social media None. makes my life better. Change my mind. You know. Right. But so. Um, let me ask you why. How did you get to that point? Because did you have social media prior to the change? Did you have anything? I've never had Instagram, but I had Facebook up until 2013. And so what made you put down the hammer and say, that's it. I'm done. What got you there? I think it was the fact that I didn't have to talk to anyone anymore to know exactly what was going on in their life down to the most minute detail of what their you know, new toilet paper stand looked like or what they had for <laughs> Dinner, dinner you know like hey the, and the, the what do they call it the feed eats first they always have to post a picture on their feed of the food before they eat. the food yes. food porn yeah, yeah. yeah exactly food porn is another one yes yeah. yeah so i mean i definitely took a picture of my toast for snapchat this week i can't lie I about did. that i saw did that, was that yesterday it? or this morning it was yesterday this, yeah yeah so one I'm of the guilty. select 20 saw yeah. that <laughs> i'm guilty but um i realized that every time i i had a couple incidents in a row not really incidents but occurrings where I talked to people that I was friends with on Facebook and all they talked about was oh did you see my pictures on Facebook I went on that vacation did you see those pictures that I posted oh I just got engaged oh yeah I know I saw you posted it on Facebook like oh I'm pregnant I I know you posted your ultrasound like you know as soon as you got it I I I know (laughs) that's amazing that's great and so it kind of took away the mystery or um, excitement to talk to someone that you haven't talked to in a while on the phone or in person. It's like because authenticity. I, yeah. Almost. Cause I already knew everything right. going on. I'm like, God, my connections with people seem kind of lame right now. Cause I'm slowly realizing that I don't have to, we don't even have to chat. I already know. I already know what's going on. I, like my, my newsfeed has given me everything I yeah. need to know. And now as a result, we haven't talked in a year, but it doesn't matter. Cause I know everything that you you're knew. doing. And that made me sad. And I think yeah. it was because I am naturally, I naturally feel like I connect more with people through talking and um, I consider myself like a very um, introverted extrovert, I guess to say, because I really like my alone time. I live by myself. I've been living alone for 11 years. I have my studio apartment and (laughs) the thought of roommates again, like is terrifying, you know, and like, I love my little space. So I like my alone time, but I also like crave the connections with people. Right. And I realized that if I get rid of Facebook, that means people need a reason to call me. Right. Oh, you got engaged. You're getting married. You are having a baby. You're having a housewarming party. You're, you just got that job. Call me, tell me about it. Right. Let's have a conversation about it and let that lead to other things. Let that connection grow. And then maybe that will, who knows, lead to us talking maybe more often and reconnecting in general. And my life is so much better for it. And what I don't know is it's like ignorant bliss, right? All of the Mm -hmm. social media drama that sometimes happens with people, you know, like keyboard cowboys with comments, you know, that sometimes people get into little rants about. Sometimes people send me screenshots of it. It's really entertaining. It's entertaining. The District 36 Facebook group has some good stuff sometimes. Uh Oh, yeah, I've seen it. And I'm so glad I'm not on it. So I can't be tagged in any of these posts and have to participate in it. Or I can have is again another reason to talk to someone and have someone fill me in on it and then we have a conversation that maybe will lead to something else and like connect more and like kind of replenish the friendship yeah i definitely wish there was more phone calls i think rob is definitely my rob Rob calls me and we try to call each other at least once he actually called me today i forgot to call him back but we talked yesterday so um and then like even like Dustin and I Snapchat all the time, but like every now and then we'll just call each other and we yeah. end up being on the phone for like two hours. I love it. Yeah. I think what's super intriguing is, is that, so while I'll tell people right now, all of our listeners is that while we talked on the phone and I'll ask, what's your hot take? 
we knew the topic, but I said, okay, stop. I don't want to hear why I want it. And so out of all the things I could have guessed, I would not have guessed that it was that you, when you hear people say that, you know, they're cutting off social media, they usually do it because it's too toxic or they don't want to get involved with politics because it's politics everywhere or it's too addicting. You hear a lot of different things. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah. It's addicting, yeah, right? It that's a whole addicting. different realm, you know, and I'm guilty of it. The right. addicting factor. Going down the rabbit hole, just scrolling exactly. and, uh, and clicking example, and scrolling. For example, TikTok. You know, I'll say, I'll go to bed. Oh, I'm going to look at TikTok for maybe like 10 minutes before I go to bed. Next thing, no, I've been on it for an yeah, hour. Darn then it's, it's also like, like doing? on the fence. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I don't really like Instagram. I don't really post anymore. I, I literally only post the race results for like sponsors. But like other than that, like, yeah, it's like, oh, it's addicting. I don't need to be on it. But then there's just sometimes where I'm like literally have nothing to do. And I'm like, oh, I could at least kill some 20 minutes here and there. Here's my thing with social media, though, is that in our day and age, while there, there's a lot of social media I know for personally, I could cut off. Like TikTok, I don't need. You know, it's entertaining. TikTok it's is just filling. entertainment, though. Exactly. But, right. But. but Social media is such a tool in our generation, though, that if you use it right, it could benefit you so much. For example, with this show, you know, yeah, that's where free I get, advertisement. That's where I get all my advertisement. That's how I get eyes on it because there's so many people on it. And right. again, today's day and age that, you know, you can get so much discoverability from it. But at the same time, it's almost like a, an, an evil, you know, I think about alcohol. Uh, I'll reference alcohol. Hey, you can get a lot of good time from this. You know, it's yeah. fun drinking it. You do too much. Oh, my yeah. God. I feel terrible, right? You know, it's kind of like social and media. I, I do want to be the devil's advocate for your point of like, oh, now my friends have to call me or I have to call them to talk. But there's also like like the friends that you don't talk to too often where it's like that would really be your only avenue to talk to them. And like you would miss True. out on that. But like, right. I mean, those are, are like, they really a good friend then? Yeah, I mean, they could just be like people like you went to high school with and they were cool and like <laughs> you just want to keep in touch and you do want to see if she's pregnant or if they are getting married, but you don't necessarily want to have that phone call. Right. That's where it is like nice to see that kind of stuff. But totally. I, I you're, which you're, I totally understand, especially if you have international friends that you can't necessarily talk on the phone yeah, with easily right. and you want to keep up with their life. I totally get that. And I, and you know, especially grandmas who have grandchildren, you know, across the country or something and sure, like yeah. Facebook updates are, you know, they live for those, you right. know, with baby pictures. That's one, ex one of a zillion examples. I totally understand the value in it, especially, you know, free advert, you know, a free platform for yeah, you to right. spread the word on this show. I love that. I personally don't have those kinds of needs in my life at this point. So I can totally get away yeah. with not having it. Absolutely. I, I, I think bring back phone calls. Bring it's back great. Calls. I mean, like even just like communicating, give like, me a call. People things, I, things we'll can always be like misconstrued over text or whatever. And it's just, I mean, Tyler and I like Tyler texts me one thing. I'm like, I don't want to text a hundred times. I'm just going to call him well, like, or vice versa. Way. Yeah. So Tyler and I, it works out. Cause like, 20 text messages over an hour because you're not responding right away or it's literally like a five-minute conversation. Or, or miscommunication, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, easy to do. And it's just like nice to talk to people. A lot like, of my... If I'm at, if I, like when Rob calls me, I'm at work like doing something. I just have him on like speaker and I'm just like working and he's working in the background and like we're just talking for 20 minutes or whatever. It is nice to just talk to people. So Totally. And I, I know because it's like totally like a thing that's just been like thrown away like vocal Absolutely. communication like there's some people like i'll call and they will they'll text me hey what's up they won't or, answer like, and then say and then right after and i mean sometimes i do that like hey i'm at dinner like sure, i can't talk but then they'll be like hey like what's up and i'm like are you busy can i call and they're like no like what do you want like they just avoid i it. just want to call like and then they just like force the conversation through text i'm like all right whatever 
For whatever reason, I mean, this is a thing though, and I, I, I can't relate, so I don't know. I can't imagine, but the, there is phone call anxiety. That's yeah, the thing. Like, Some yeah, people it's like just social don't, anxiety. Yeah, like right. So yeah. to each his own, you know. And I can't, I can't put myself in their shoes to know how right. that feels, you know. So I could respect it, but yeah, I think more so on the social media aspect, there's like you said, rabbit hole in a way. It's like you could take that so many different ways of like the pros, the cons, you know, how it affects our society, how we interact with each other, and it all makes sense what you're saying. And I think that's super. Again, intriguing that you brought a light to that. That I was not. Yeah, expecting I was not answer. expecting your side, but that's cool. And, and it's there's cool also there's that. also like the aspect of social media where it's like people are just like, like pretending to be someone they aren't. Fake, super right. fake. Like yes. you know, posting a picture or like flexing in their mom's Mercedes or whatever. Like, right. You know, like just trying to like they're just this completely different persona online to like, cause, because that one like bully in high school or still following them or like that ex-girlfriend or that ex-boyfriend like right they have to pretend like their life is so great without them type the shit. bitterness yeah it's just like and then like i love it too because there's some people like i know and i know like what's really going on with them and i see their social media and i'm just like that is so not true like right that that is actually a factor as well so aside from my main reason for just wanting to have more of a connection with people it's the fact that social media is the highlight reel right. and it's very easy to compare your behind the scenes with their highlight reel. Right. And then it's a very distorted Love comparison. That. And I, I also can't take credit for that, that way of phrasing it compared the highlight reel to your behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, does sound good though. Um, I have trouble sometimes remembering that and then I will compare myself and maybe that's, I, I mean, I know that's an issue that I need to work on, you know, putting that aside and remembering what I'm looking at and remembering that this is not necessarily what's going on. These beautiful pictures that people post of like their vacations or their new cars, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Totally. So sometimes when I get wrapped up in it, if I am, because I do have, um, for the district 36 Facebook page, I do have credential credentials that someone else gave me for someone else's account that I use sometimes to log in just to kind of like keep up on what's going on. Right. Um, and, but that's more of like a, job in a way because right. you are part of the board right. for districts so like that you have to kind of keep tabs on what everyone's saying and right want. but sometimes i click on things right you know yeah sometimes okay. and, I that, click on and things. that is like the bug of social media and, and, yeah and, and i'm like <laughs> even district 36 a lot of it's just like shit posting it is like some guy's just mad about some stupid reason and everyone yeah. in the comments is just like mad i love i love watching sean Rhodes get in the comments like it's just so much fun it's just like old guys bickering yeah it's great it's, times it's, it's pretty i'll get in there sometimes but well, you know, that's probably got to be one of the most understandable, relatable hot takes I've ever heard on this show. Yeah, I'm not I'm hot so about it at it. all. I, I think, I think, I think it's, a, it's a warm take. I might not delete my social media, but, you know, I, I, I really agree. I kind of want to, but I don't. I won't. It's so, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. So, with all that being said, I think we're ready to wrap things up here, Rachel. You've been Time in, has flown. I, I told you. I mean, we talked about this before the show. It's like you always look. It's like, oh, shit, we got to wrap this up. We got to go. <laughs> but no, it's Same been an that. absolute pleasure. I'm so happy to meet you. And you brought so much knowledge to dirt biking to me. And I'm sure many of our listeners, too. I hope so. I hope people enjoyed it. And I, I really, again, super appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And it was a good time. asked me to be on here. Yeah. So do you want to close out with anything before we go? No, I mean, I just I'm glad you came and I'm. I'm glad you got to represent the dirt bike world, but the women's dirt bike world. And, yeah, and, totally. Uh, and uh, you are like one of the most liked people on the planet. How can you not like her? I, like, I met I met her no, like, an hour and fifteen minutes yeah, ago. Before we, I guess one more last highlight is like but she. So sweet. I've seen her 
like we're at a race and like not to be like the cool guy but like sometimes i just have people that walk up to me and like oh like shane like whatever like you race double well, you're at that point now yeah but i'm like i don't know who you are i'm like hey what's up dude but like i've seen her go up to people and like oh my gosh hi like hugging people i'm like who's that she's like i don't know like she literally is just yeah. like so nice to everybody like treats everyone like her son or something like I'm like, it's just like a bubble of joy. Love that. And well, it's like carries the energy well. And um, I mean, I was like smiling most of this podcast. So I, I love it. It's very well. sweet. Thank so like, you, just Shane. to wrap things up, I don't know. You don't have any social medias to shout out, but if there's anyone or anything to shout out. Is there anything you want to call out? Um, well, since this is more of a dirt bike heavy podcast, I just yeah. want to thank all of the women who show up to these races and keep me honest, you know, like, and keep me pushing. Cause one of the main reasons why I love it so much and why I love, um, the competition and being there is for not only the support, but just the level that they hold me to, you know, sure. the, all the girls in my class, like shout out to all of you girls, Cheyenne, all the, Madison, Cheyenne, shout out. Maddie, Megan, who showed up yeah. recently. Cheyenne, I mean, she's doing the whole, the, she's got her own little company going on oh, with the yeah. physical fitness thing. Yeah, she's shout like, out, shout out to Cheyenne at Startline Fitness. Startline Fitness, check yep, that out. Yep. She's like yoked beyond means. Like, yeah. I would never, I could never <laughs> be that fit. So, shout out to all of the ladies who, who keep me motivated and all of the ladies in the AA and pro classes who keep all of us motivated and also give us something to look up to and you know and something to admire like all of you girls who race anyone who swings a leg over a dirt bike pro or not is i think admirable and i'm proud to be a part of it absolutely love it you you've got to be one of the most humble selfless people we've had on the show so it's sweet. been an honor to have you on and i'm Thank so happy you got so to much. meet you and so uh with that being said we always like to tell people if you enjoy the show be a friend and tell a friend right if you really liked what you heard you know and say hey you know why don't you spread the word let them know about it and say i Great episode with Rachel. She's badass chick. You got to hear it, pal. So, you know. She's smash bitches. <laughs> oh, we didn't, we didn't talk about we that, talk but about that was that. a good story. Uh, so, with all that time. being said, folks, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you so much for being here, as always. And, hey, we'll see you next Wednesday. Hi, I always do this. Yeah, you love to point it out. So It's the, we- that being the weather and the hand clap. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> with that being said, folks, take care. We'll see you next Wednesday. Peace. Thank you.